It's been great worshiping with you this morning. And before we get started, I wanted to share a scenario that I think all of us have been able to share at one time or another. And that is every now and then I come across something that I own that is nice and is perfectly functional, but for whatever reason, it has been collecting dust and I haven't touched it in years. Does anyone relate to that? And so I, I struggle with this because I don't know what to do with that. I have this thing that I could use and I want to use, but for whatever reason, I haven't used. And so what do I do with it? Do I get rid of it? Do I throw it away? Do I donate it? Or do I actually change my behavior and use that stupid thing that's been in my closet for years? And so, I, I, and so I have this debate going on, and the reason why I have this debate going on is because inevitably, when I do finally get rid of that one thing, a month later, something comes along that is the perfect scenario for that thing that I just got rid of. Isn't that frustrating? And I see some of the hoarders out in the group and you're beaming with pride saying, see, that's why I never throw anything away. And so I have this, I have this uh, issue where I don't know what to do with the things that I have. And I think when it comes down to it, I think there are times where I don't appreciate what I have. And I think that this is an affliction that I've had since I was young. I remember as a toddler going around my house, gathering various different items that I thought were nice. Sometimes they were gold shiny things like jewelry. Sometimes they were watches that my parents had. Sometimes it was the remote control. Sometimes it was a wallet. But I would gather all of these items and I would store them somewhere. And it would drive my mother crazy because she would be looking for the remote control and she had no idea where it was. And so she would look, she would ask me, do you know where this thing is? And I would say, oh, I took it. It's with my treasures. Oh, your treasures. Well, where's your treasures? I don't know. And it's not like I stored it in a way that was careful, in a way that was honoring to the value that it was. I just simply took my toy chest, emptied it, placed my treasures, and put all the toys on top of it. Or I would go to the laundry hamper because that's where you keep your treasures, right? And you put it at the bottom of the hamper and store all your clothes on top. Or I would put it underneath my bed. Or for whatever goofy reason, I had a fascination of taking my treasures to the bathroom. A great place to store your treasures, by the way. And I would go up to the toilet, place my treasures in the toilet, and then proceed to flush my treasures. And so that's the thing. I valued these things, but I truly didn't have appreciation for how valuable they were. And I certainly didn't have an understanding of what it meant to have something that was so valuable only to flush it away. And that brings me to the title of my message this morning is Flushing God's Favor. Flushing God's Favor. 
And I'm going to point you to an astonishing story that is found in Numbers chapter 11. But before I start reading, uh, I want us to have a little bit of a context of what this passage is about. And so when you take a look in Numbers chapter 11, what has just happened is the nation of Israel has been miraculously delivered from slavery in Egypt. And they're now wandering in the desert in a place where there is a limited food supply. And so God miraculously provides food by providing manna that appears overnight. And in the morning, all they need to do is go out, collect the manna, and eat it. And so that is the stage that is being set before us. And so now we're going to take a look at Numbers chapter 11, and we're going to see how the nation of Israel responded to God's supernatural provision. So let's read Numbers chapter 11, starting at verse 4. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat! We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, and leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite and we never see anything but this manna. In order to avoid flushing God's favor, we have to appreciate God's provision. We have to appreciate God's provision. So again, looking at the context of this, looking at who the Israelites were and what they have experienced up to this point, this was a group that saw signs and wonders being performed before them. This is a group that saw miracles, that saw plagues. This is a group that saw Moses perform miracles himself in front of them and in the court of Pharaoh. This is the group that saw God deliver them in such a mighty way and then have the army of Pharaoh track them down and it was hot on their tail. And this was the same group that when they got to the Red Sea, they were not cornered like dogs, but they saw the water separate. And as they walked along the bottom of the sea, they walked over on dry ground. There wasn't even mud for them to trudge through. And by the time they got to the other side, they saw God miraculously close the waters of that sea, swallowing up the very army that was meant to destroy them. This was the same group that saw uh, God lead them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. This was the same group that when they wanted water, all Moses had to do was smack a rock. And then when he wanted uh, them to have water for a second time, he said, you know what, Moses? You don't have to go smack the rock. Just have a conversation with the rock. Don't just go around smacking things willy-nilly. What did the rock ever do to you, Moses? Use your words. Use your words. Have Have any of you ever said that to your kids? Just use your words. And so after all of that, God continued to provide by providing manna that miraculously appeared day after day after day. It was like bread. They had all of the nutrients that they needed to survive. They had a lot of provision. But here's the thing. They took a look at God's provision 
And for whatever reason, this same group that saw God provide for their every need, they looked at that God and said, you know what? What you have provided me isn't enough. Imagine being that flippant with God and what he has provided us. Imagine being that ungrateful for what he has done in our lives, that we are to look at the provision that God has given us and said, no, 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 God, that's not enough. It will only be enough if you provide these other things over here. And so unfortunately, church, we fall into that very same category. We look ahead at the things that we don't have. And while we're looking ahead, we are ignoring the provision that God has already provided for us. And so church today, you might not know what your future holds. You might not know how God is going to provide in the future, but please hear me on this. You have had enough provision right here at this moment for you to be successful successful with what God has called you to do today. Can anyone say amen? God has provided more than enough. That job that you have been complaining about, that has been given to you by God Almighty. That bank account that you have been nervously watching and wondering if that's going to be enough to hold you over, I want to encourage you that our God is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. He will continue to provide. Today, you have more than enough. Your storehouses are not empty, and your power has not been depleted to the point where you are useless. Right now, if you are tired, if you are weary, can I encourage you today that God is more than enough. He will supply you with power from on high. He will uh, encourage you and lead and guide you into your next footsteps. You don't have to know everything. You just have to simply trust that God will provide for you today. If you are weak, then you can say, God, I am weak, but I know that you are strong. You are my provider. You are my strength. I have more than enough today. Church, it is time for us to stop looking at our lack and saying, I can't do anything until you provide more. Instead, church, will you join me in this revelation, in this understanding that what God has called us to right now at this very moment, that we have more than enough because the God of the universe who provides for our every need is standing there right with us and that is more than enough today. In order to appreciate what God has given us, we must also ignore the rabble. Ignore the rabble. Now what in the world is a rabble? What is that? I went and read that and I wondered, huh, what is that? It sounds derogatory, doesn't it? Well, it's mentioned in verse four, so let's read that. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. Rabble is a word that has come up a couple of times in the Old Testament, and it refers to a mixed group that joined the nation of Israel when they left Egypt. And so this mixed group involved multiple nationalities all together. And the, and, and the main idea is, is that this was a group that wasn't originally connected to Israel. And so it is likely that they were probably other slaves from different lands. 
Egypt enslaved a lot of people. It wasn't just the nation of Israel. They enslaved multiple people groups. And so as the nation of Israel who was enslaved by Egypt was leaving, it's very likely that other slaves went and said, you know what, that looks pretty good. I don't want to stay here in slavery. I want to go with them. So probably there was a lot of slaves from other lands. There was probably some people who were Egyptian, but they were part of a lower socioeconomic class. And so they couldn't advance forward in their society, so they were going to join another society, and maybe they would have better, uh, better luck over there. Maybe there were foreigners that were living in the land of Egypt, but they witnessed God show up in a mighty way to deliver the nation of Israel. And so they may not have had a heart change that said, yes, I want to follow God, but they saw if God could go and come through for them, maybe he'll do something for me. I want to have riches. I want to have wealth. I want to have prosperity. And if God is working in their life, then maybe, just maybe, God will do something in mine. And so it wasn't necessarily a heart change to follow God. It may have just been, okay, they're blessed. Israel is receiving God's blessing. Maybe I can receive that blessing as well. And here's the thing. If you make a decision to follow God, but there isn't a heart change, that can be really, really difficult. And when God doesn't come through in a way that you think he should, then that is a prime opportunity for the devil to come into your heart and start whispering lies saying, see, I told you it wasn't going to work. I told you that, that, that you would be better off going with this other direction. Bitterness happens when you make the right decision, but you do it for the wrong reason. And so today, I want to encourage you, church, that there is an awful lot of rabble that is speaking in, in, into our lives right now. And we might not know what it is, but we do know this. They have a different aim than following God Almighty. <clears throat> Excuse me for a moment. It appears that my throat hates me. <laughs> what did I do to you, throat? except scream like an idiot. <clears throat> Either way, this group had a different aim. And when we take a look at some of the voices around us, we have an awful lot of voices that are presenting targets for us to aim at, targets for us to shoot at. And for whatever reason, they think that these are the targets that are worth aiming at. And for us as, Jesus, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, we recognize that we only have one target to aim at. And so why is it I, I'm focusing on aiming at the right thing? Why am I talking about us aiming at a target? And I think that it's very similar to us <clears throat> being on 81 and looking to hit Buffalo, right? If we're driving on 81 and we're driving south and we're going into Pennsylvania and we're going into other places, guess what? We're never going to hit our target of Buffalo, are we? 
If we don't aim in the right direction, if we don't head west, if we don't get on the stinking throughway that keeps on jacking up their tolls, we will not hit Buffalo. And so today, church, in, in an age with multiple targets, in an age where you can aim, you can have your life's aim try to hit any target that is out there, let me encourage you that we only have one target that we should be aiming at, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? There's no one else that is worthy. There's no one else that has given us life and life more abundantly. There's no one else that has uh, delivered us and set us free. No one else has died for us. It is only Jesus that has done that. And so today, church, we can go and try to hit all of these targets all over the place, but in reality, this is the only target that matters, Jesus Christ. And so today, church, what? What? what, what what's happening? <laughs> Some of you are getting a little nervous. When you're at a shooting range, you have a target to hit, right? It's right ahead of you. So imagine you go to a target range and you immediately start firing arrows immediately in front of you and into the ground. That doesn't work, right? You start firing it straight up in the air and play, let's dodge the arrow. That's not gonna, work. That's not gonna work, right? And so you have all these people that are saying, you know, you should check out Muhammad. You should check out Muhammad. Well, guess what? If you're aiming over here, you're not gonna hit the target of Jesus Christ. If you're looking over here at money and you're aiming your life over at money, guess what? You're not gonna hit the target of Jesus Christ. If you're aiming at serving yourself and you're trying to serve yourself and build up yourself and only focus on yourself, then guess what? You're focusing on the exact opposite direction as Jesus Christ. And so for us today, we need to look forward ahead at Jesus Christ and look to hit that target because he is the only thing that is worthy. He is our righteousness. He is justice. He is peace. He is goodness. He is our savior. He is our Lord. He is our healer. He is the object of our worship. And today, this is the only aim that matters, that we look at Jesus Christ and have our life's aim pointed in that direction. Can anyone say amen? amen. This is why... This is why we need to encourage our next generation to participate in Grace Kids Discovery. This is why we need to encourage our next generation to participate on Wednesday nights in Rangers and Junior Bible Quiz and Girls Ministries. This is why we need to encourage our teenagers to participate, to participate in Remnant Youth Ministry. This is why us adults need to commit to gathering together in our Grace Growth Groups, where we meet in each other's homes, where we meet here and study the Word of God deeply because church, if we are not pointing at the right thing, if we are not aiming at Jesus Christ, we will not hit our target. Amen. You know, if we, we go through all of this, sometimes we do end up missing 
nation of Israel knew what to do. They were even encouraged what to do. And they still turned. They still found another, another target to aim at. And we do that very much in our own lives that sometimes we end up listening to the wrong voice and we end up aiming at something else. Can I encourage you today that God is not a cruel God. God is a God of mercy and he is looking to redirect our lives. And sometimes he might even discipline us with the hope of us returning back to him. We need to be aware of God's discipline. We need to be aware of God's discipline. Let's turn back to our passage, Numbers 11, starting with verse 18. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, when you will eat meat. The Lord heard when you wailed, if only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five or 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Have you ever lost it with somebody? It seems like God's a little irked here, isn't he? He seems a little bit mad. And I love the fact that he started out this rebuke with, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. Such spiritual language. It's almost like, oh, I need to prepare myself. That's great. And then he just follows it up with the tone of a parent who has done lost their ever loving mind. Oh, you want meat? Well, get ready. Get ready for the awesome goodness that is about ready to come your way. Because not only am I gonna give you meat, you're gonna eat meat again. And you're gonna eat it again. And you're gonna eat it again. You're gonna eat so much meat that you're gonna long for the day that just boogers were coming out of your nostrils. I kind of like that taunt. But here's the thing. Our God is a jealous God. And he's not a jealous God in strictly the sense that we slighted him. Notice what his complaint was to the nation of Israel. It wasn't just uh, that we slighted him. or It wasn't just the fact that we uh, said um, we want to eat meat. It was, I wish I had gone back to captivity. I wish I could turn away from you so that I can go to this place that could lead to death. And so sure, there is this element of where we slighted him and that bothers him, but even more so, he is a parent looking at his children who is saying, what you have provided for me to live, I'm not appreciative of, and I would much rather go back to this other thing that is unhealthy and could lead to death. Church, the saddest story is one of a believer who has been set free but chooses bondage. 
Church, for, so t- for far too long, we as believers have experienced the freedom of Christ. And the Bible says that those who are free are free indeed. Does anyone know what that means? It means that there isn't a question about it. We are free indeed. And so when we experience this freedom, we can go around and we can appreciate it. We can enjoy it. We can actually accomplish the thing that God wants us to do, the things that he is calling us to. It is hard for us to move forward when we are shackled to the ground and can't move forward. And so for us as Christians, it's like we have these handcuffs on and the judge is coming over. He has unshackled us from our handcuffs. We are free to move about. And instead of enjoying that freedom, instead of reaching others for the cause of Jesus Christ, we instead choose to go back to the handcuffs and shackle ourselves once again. Today, church, it is time for us to take off the handcuffs once and for all and for us to move forward in the freedom that God has given us so that we can reach this next generation for Jesus Christ and so that the world around us might know that there is such a thing as life and life more abundantly. And where can it be found? It can be found right here at our target, Jesus Christ. Just aim at it and you'll hit that target. That brings me to my final point. Trust his character. Trust his character. Let's go to Numbers chapter 11 one last time, and we will start at verse 21. But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? What if enough, would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Now let me give you, the, or let me remind you of who is in this story. Up to this point, we have seen the nation of Israel and they have rejected God. But Moses has been faithful. Moses has been the one in which a lot of the signs and wonders have been going through. But sometimes uh, for us as human beings, we are not perfect. We do not always have it all together. So even though we have seen God come through again and again and again, there are times where even we can get tempted and say, you know what, God, I don't know. Are you really going to do it again this time? Are you really going to provide this time? I know you've done it in the past, but will you do it today? Will you do it the next day? And so for a lot of us, we are in the same boat as Moses, where we have seen God come through for us. We have seen him save us. We've seen him give us life and life more abundantly. We have shelter right now at this moment and a nice warm sanctuary. I don't know about you, but it seems like it's a little too warm for me. 
maybe because I've been jumping around and moving, but we have a nice warm sanctuary. We have food to eat, and not that I've been looking, but it looks like, yep, it looks like everyone has clothes to wear. We have a lot of God's provision to be thankful for. We have enough for us to be successful in what he's called us to do. And so for us to take our next steps in faith, all we need to do is recognize he has provided in the past and he has proven himself that he will provide for us in the future. All we have to do is trust his character. Can I have the worship team come on up? Church, today, not only has God provided for you, the Bible says that nothing can step in between us and God. There's no one who is more powerful. There's no situation that he cannot handle. And so it says in the Bible that neither life nor death, angels or demons, height or depth in the heavenly realms or even in this earth that will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so today we need to trust that God will continue to provide for us and that not only will he provide that the enemy can't steal it from us. We can stand in security. We can stand with a level of confidence because we have more than enough and no one can take it away. And so today, you might be wondering, is God providing for me today? The answer is yes. Is God going to bring healing? The answer is yes. Is God going to bring salvation? The answer is yes. And so today, God is reaching out with his arm and he is saying, it is not too short just reach out and take what I want to give you so that you can be whole, so that you can be healthy, and so that you can take the gospel of Jesus Christ and share it with the world around you so that they might know that there is a Savior and a King and a Lord that is de desperately interested in those coming to know him. 